Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for October 4th, 2020, the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, how is your morning? My morning is morning. No, not morning. I'm as an unintentional pun. My my morning is good. <laughs> unintentional say, like, pun. What are you morning. What are yeah. You morning today. <laughs> no, actually, I could because the Giants were eliminated from the baseball playoffs. But oh. um, yeah, yeah, they got a lot further than anyone expected. So I can't really be in mourning. Yeah, uh, yeah, they 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 played up. Uh, yeah, so that was that was good. Yeah, um, just kind of ran out of pitchers, and that happens. It does. It does. Pitching wins championships. I hear. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't know. I'm an Indians fan. Um, <laughs> and hence no championships. <laughs> and hence no championships. Uh, so, yep. Uh, that's exactly what that means. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, so we're, we're. I mean, I'm. I'm looking down this list uh, and uh, realizing. Uh, it, it freaked me out, honestly, at first, because uh, I was looking down the list of uh, upcoming Sundays and the proper 23 is next week. And then I, I saw that it says Thanksgiving Day. Uh, it's Canadian. Canadian Thanksgiving oh! Day. <laughs> but shoot, man, we are, you know, a couple weeks, yeah. a few weeks away from All Saints uh, and then a couple more weeks away from Thanksgiving ourselves. And, and oh, my gosh, this year's. This lectionary year is almost over, uh, which is kind of crazy. Kind of, it is, yeah, kind of crazy. And and we're so we're we're quickly approaching our uh, full second completed year of this podcast. That's yeah, then that is amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, amazing is the right word that uh, that that uh, you have continued to put up with uh, <laughs> this ridiculous. Uh, um, thing that we've decided to do uh thank you thank you again uh for all of that i think it's clear i enjoyed at least as much as you do (laughs) uh we do have fun Um, yeah so uh speaking of fun uh i i had a little fun reading up on today's word which i think you will probably know but the uh, the average uh, Joe or Jane among us uh, will, will probably not know what this word is. Uh, so you get bonus points if you do, of course, as always. Um, but uh, today's word is intinction. Oh, okay. That's a good one. That um, refers to when receiving the Holy Eucharist, Holy Communion, um, dipping the consecrated bread into the consecrated wine rather than sipping from the common cup the chalice right so rather than having them separate uh, uh taken separately uh, uh those of us who either hold on to the bread and then dip it into the to the wine uh or uh as i was reading here um being administered that way which something about that seems a little weird to, like just imagining the celebrant dipping it for me and then placing it in my mouth which is weird uh, that that yeah that's very old school very old school uh, but that is actually uh, uh, the the it's a little bit closer to the historical first occurrence oh yeah uh, which I find interesting because the the original um, I, I should say I shouldn't say original because it's not like there's a, a historical record of like you know Tom <laughs> in you know forty five yeah know, AD uh, did this uh, but the original intention was, appears to have been dropping the bread into the wine and then scooping it out with a spoon and administering it via spoon uh, because the term uh, is based on the Latin to dip in. Um, uh, but the, uh, apparently, like I said, the, the first original historical context was you would drop it in, let the bread moisten, because, it, of course, it's a, uh, especially back then, uh, bread was a little bit harder, so yeah. moistening it, like getting it full of some of the wine was helpful and <laughs> right in, in uh in and then administering it but then fishing it out with a spoon and then 
kind of airplaning it to the picture. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yes, yes. Open wide. Here comes Jesus. Here comes um, the Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, and in um, Orthodox churches, Christian Orthodox churches, Greek, etc., <clears throat> the ceremony of baptism of an infant includes that as part of it, where a tiny piece of bread <clears throat> is dropped, a blessed bread is dropped into the blessed wine, it's fished out with a spoon and fed to the child. Mm -hmm. So as soon as they're baptized at, you know, week 10 or whatever, they are given a tiny, tiny bit of the Eucharist so that they will always hunger for it. Gotcha. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really interesting information on the website about this. Uh, it's one of those words that they go into uh, some, <laughs> some surprising great detail. Um, and uh, but but a couple of the things that I thought was were interesting. Um, <clears throat> this method was preferred by some communicants uh, because of concerns about contagious disease. Uh, uh, or alcohol consumption. So uh, if you're worried about contagious disease, the alcohol was kind of like an aid in tamping that down. And if you uh, were concerned about uh, too much alcohol consumption, it was a way of limiting the amount of mm -hmm. communion alcohol that was consumed. Um, but also uh, <clears throat> that the... Uh, uh, intinction has historically been associated with giving communion to the sick, which I find interesting. Yeah, because uh, they literally can't sit up enough to take a sip of wine. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that uh, the other interesting thing was that uh, um, is that this method of communion was uh, has been opposed over the years, but first uh, first opposed. Uh, back in the seventh century, and the reason being is that it differed from the uh, historically captured actions of Christ during the Last Supper. So it's it mm -hmm. didn't mirror Christ uh, Christ's method uh, 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 directly, and so therefore was uh, was was not to be done. Right, uh, which which is which is I, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's and that is often how liturgical church arguments go. Is we can't find the there's there are some very very conservative Christians that will only use musical instruments that are mentioned somewhere in the Bible, right? Which creates a very interesting church orchestra. Uh, mm -hmm. I, the the and of course there's an argument within that viewpoint over how to translate the word for the instrument, and so they can even they'll fight among each other about. <laughs> My congregation uses a harp. Well, that's not the kind of harp they were talking about. Right, you should right. be using a lyre. Yeah, we <laughs> use the lute and lyre. And yeah. Also, your lute is has a, a, a nine keyhole. Yeah. The traditional lute uh, only has six, and so I don't know if those numbers I, are right. Yeah. All, so you're a taboo. And yeah. Right. Exactly. Shame. Shame. <laughs> on um, Nothing uh, like a church fight. Right. Exactly. Uh, which. Uh, I, I I can't speak for the Episcopal Church, obviously uh, itself, but does seem to such such arguments do seem to be a little bit more uh, in conflict within uh, the, the the viewpoint of the Episcopal Church because one of the main viewpoints is that uh, you you grow and adapt as as yeah. humanity uh, um, um, continues to uh, uh, gasp but that I use the word evolve. And, uh, um, and we change. do believe in evolution right? we, yeah, of all yeah. kinds. Uh, so as as uh, we become more complex and more things exist in our in our uh, in our world, uh, you kind of adapt and and, and utilize uh, those uh, those things as part of your as part of your worship service to kind of reflect the world the world as it is today, not the world as it was back then. So yeah, and um, the other. Except in how we dress. I mean, in terms of clergy, <laughs> you know, we we wear Victorian clergy shirts. We wear Roman um, cloaks. Yeah, it, it's a real mishmash, but all supposedly very historical. Yeah, historical, but not necessarily, you know, to the to them like no, no, no. You can only wear what oh, we've had historically. We've had those fights over the last four, <laughs> four or five hundred years. Yes, yes. I, I, uh, 
thankfully, thankfully, we, uh, we've moved on to other yeah. more visceral fights. Uh, and, so. and to go back to intinction, uh, I just should make clear that within the Episcopal Church, in any given congregation at any any given Holy Eucharist service, there's usually a, a wide diversity of practice, as we would say liturgically, uh, on among people receiving communion. So mm. at, at Holy Family, some people uh, want to receive by intention. Others want to sip from the chalice. Some skip the chalice experience altogether. Mm -hmm. Some, if, they're in, if they want to do intention, they'll dip the bread themselves. Others will wait for the chalice bearer to dip it for them. I mean, there's there's such a wide uh, wide set of options, and all of them are acceptable. Yeah, um, um, kind of the, that concept of uh, come to God as you are. Um, yeah. So, and, and uh, some don't want to receive either bread or wine. Sure. Um, and want a blessing, or just want to stand with their family. Um, and some with the bread need a, need gluten free bread, and we have that right. for them. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Uh, which would be. A strange, a strange thing for us to oppose, uh, if that ever came up, wouldn't it? Oh, it, <laughs> Has in, it? in the Roman Catholic Church, there's a huge fight over that right now. To me, uh, no, not not to wade into a fight that I have no dog in uh, either way. Uh, but it's your dog is not allowed, right? <laughs> to see, to, to to me, to have such a such an argument that basically boils down to like, no, 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 you should poison your body. Uh, by <laughs> t taking exactly what the rest of us take, uh, I know that it. I know that it's it's basically poison to you, but you you're just gonna have to. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, but and they go back to the this is what Jesus served, and um, and particularly yeah, since, but, since but their theology it? is so strong in the direction, well, is transubstantiation. They really yeah. do have a belief that God could transform. Okay, this is really oversimplifying. It'll sound disrespectful, and it maybe is you know, that God could remove the gluten if God needs to do that. Yeah, it's already being transformed, right? Yeah. So, um, all things within God's power, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, or uh, could but... heal the person or protect the person from the consequences. But yeah. Holy Family and most Episcopal churches, I'd say. You do have an option of uh, gluten-free bread at any given Eucharist. Yep, there's our there's our plug uh, for, yes. for, the, for our church as a whole. Come on down to the Episcopal Church. We have gluten-free bread. Um, <laughs> now, now yeah, just that, to that, sit back. And isn't that just such a minimal thing? <laughs> we offer nothing else. <laughs> that's right. There's no other spiritual special. enrichment. Just <laughs> bread that won't kill you. <laughs> Oh goodness! Uh, uh, I do have fun with us. Uh, so let's let's uh, on a more serious note. Yes. Let's move. <clears throat> let's move over to the lectionary reading. Yeah. Uh, so Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter five. So this is first Isaiah, uh, right. verses one through seven. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yield wild grapes. And now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you that I will do to my vineyard, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed. It shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. Um, so, <clears throat> unlike uh, parables uh, in the gospel, this does seem to be like a direct uh, correlation of, of you 
are in this story you are represented by this object and uh everything does have a little bit more direct meaning uh as an analogy um so why uh as i as you start to read this is it not weird that uh you know he expected it to yield grapes and it yield wild grapes and my first thought was well that's not as great but that's okay <laughs> you know there's still grapes they produce something i mean i i pick wild blackberries every now and again they're great and what's the, what's the what's the big deal what's the uh what, what's the difference between grapes and wild grapes in this story the, well, two things. The, the first, there's the, the literal image where really, and to this day, the technology is the same. Really good grapes are usually grafted on, to, the vine part is grafted onto rootstock that is more suited to whatever the climate is. Mm, okay. So that rootstock would produce a, a a deserty grape. It wouldn't be very big. It wouldn't have much flavor. It wouldn't be much, it would be useless for making wine. Mm -hmm. And so grafted onto that are vines from uh, Mediterranean grapes that are wonderful for c consumption and probably even more wonderful for making wine. Probably, and it's possibly weren't even table grapes at all, but definitely were wine grapes. Mm -hmm. So, to reach the product you want being wine, wild grapes are useless. Gotcha. So for particularly for the time of the, of the people of um, Isaiah's audience, they would have been, oh yeah. You know, some and sometimes the rootstock takes over the vine, the graft doesn't take well, and you end up with zilch. Hmm. Okay. So this uh as the story goes, uh the um the beloved here uh, uh, takes a lot of time and effort preparing the stock, uh, clears the, the 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 hill of stones and 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 takes care of it and uh, uh, prepares everything for production. Right? Uh, uh, oh, that's a right. Watchtower and yeah. So and definitely, the these bag. are wine grapes. They aren't anything yeah. close to a table grape. So yeah, all the more important that. Uh, it's not the wild stock that's being productive. Right. And then um, um, quite quite ominous language uh, that, uh, uh, especially considering that Isaiah then explains that, hey, by the way, the grapes, it's you. Uh, <laughs> um, and what God is going to do is going to remove the hedge, let it be devoured, break down the wall. It's going to be trampled and make it a a waste. Uh, he's not going to spend any more time on it whatsoever and uh, allow it to be overgrown by briars and thorns. What is the context for this punishment? Um, what exactly did the um, uh, the people of Judah do? A, a number of things. Um, things done and left undone, to quote an old uh, prayer. Mm -hmm. They First of all, the, the, the image of wild grape is something that you, that's carefully planted, in the, I mean, in this case, in the vineyard, carefully planted, but then goes against what the creator intended. Mm -hmm. So it takes off, you know, takes off in its own direction, does not accept the graft of the uh, good vine. And so they are, the people of Judah are, in fact, not fulfilling their created purpose as humanity. Mm -hmm. okay. and, and a big chunk of that is loving God. Um, mm. In Hebrew poetry, um, the vineyard is often, if not all, every time when it's poetic, is an image for lover, the two people who are lovers. Hmm. Okay. And and one lover prepares the vineyard. Um, you know, it, it refers to all sorts of different kinds of a, expressing love in a positive way. And you know, I'm trying to keep this rated G. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so 
feel free to read into that as you will. And uh, so it's a big deal if a lover spurns the other. Right, okay. And it's supposed to draw out of us, uh, even today reading it, a sense of how deeply God is pained by the times when humanity purposely, intentionally turns away from God. And it's not just a, oh, I've been, you know, I don't know anything about God, but it's more of the, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a faithful person and I love God deeply and tomorrow, yep, I don't love God anymore. It really is mm -hmm. like a marriage breaking up. That, that deep, deep level of um, grief and betrayal and the breaking mm -hmm. of relationship. Um, so this isn't just someone having, an individual having a little crisis of faith. Gotcha. This is, yeah. this is the biggie of, nope, we're not going to follow God. We're going to go our own way, and we don't care who we hurt in the process, divine or human. Interesting. Okay. So, so really, um, this is, in addition to this being an ominous, you know, taking on this ominous tone of like, look, uh, you know, God's going to do this uh, because of your actions, this is also expressing this is how badly you have hurt the, you know, your relationship with God. Yeah. This is, we're letting you know how badly you just messed up. Um, and, and, uh, God is deeply pained by this in addition to angry about it. Um, uh, what's, what's interesting to me is there in verse seven, it, it, it creates kind of a, um, um, what do I want to say about that? It seems as though there's there's only a portion of Israel that has messed up. Is that fair? No, it, it's the poetic repetition structure of Hebrew poetry. Okay, because uh, uh, okay, so so the, the the house of because when he says like the vineyard of the, of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting, he's not saying like. Um, um, the vineyard was all set up and, and, and ready to go. That's the house of Israel. But you small group of, you know, one of the tribes, uh, uh, you're, you're specifically the, the, the wild grapes in, in this scenario. Uh, but the other, the other, the other, uh, tribes are, are, are not involved in this admonishment is, is that, so that's not the case. No, of... it, by this point, um, the house of Israel, the people of Judah are all, are pretty much synonyms. I got you. Okay. Historically speaking, at this point, I got you. So really, what seven is saying is, look, the structure was there. Uh, you know, everything was in place for you, and uh, when push came to shove, uh, when God expected justice, uh, he only saw bloodshed, um, and. Uh, was that is is that part in reference to anything in particular, like a a, a war, uh, 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 or or uh, just infighting, or what? Well, we we can't say for sure. Okay. Um, in 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 part because for two reasons. One is that it's very poetic, so it mm -hmm. doesn't have a lot of historical facts in it, if any. Right. Um. The second is that we aren't sure who actually wrote it because oh, okay. major parts of first Isaiah are clearly from older sources than Isaiah than when Isaiah lived. Gotcha. So these are more of a collection of writings from or who, or, who knows. Yeah. Or you know, it, it should remind us of how Paul quotes Christian hymns. Mm, and we mm -hmm. so it gives us a little insight into earlier theology within Christianity, earlier being number handful of years. But here we have Isaiah quoting a hymn, a poem that we aren't sure how ancient it is, mm. and we don't know how far back this theology goes because the the poetic imagery of God as the lover of humanity and humanity being a vineyard uh, that that image goes back way far <laughs> gotcha, to use yeah. the scholarly term. Yeah. Way uh, far. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Very accurate. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's and it's written not so much the purpose of it in the context of the rest of Isaiah is not so much a this happened and so this happened. You, you did this, so God mm. did that. Mm-hmm. But it's instead more of trying to be almost a catechism okay. of teaching that if you live a life of righteousness and you promote justice, then you will be beloved as the vineyard is beloved, both societally mm. and individually. But if mm. you don't, then God's going to let that relationship tear down. God's not going to keep doing all the work. Huh. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, you could kind of view that as uh, um, kind of more of just the long-standing uh, experience of humanity that, uh, uh, in a way, I could I could even imagine uh, going all the way back to the story of the Garden of Eden. Um, yeah. Uh, what a beautiful vineyard was created, and yet... Uh, um, <laughs> wild grapes were produced and uh had to you know uh destroyed it and never never to be entered again um so um yeah yeah so, so it's not I, a it's not a new theology right yeah we've been look we've been messing up for years right our our, our skill of messing up goes way back right <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, anything else Just, about Isaiah? Yeah. One last thing is mm-hmm. um, in verse seven, where it said, says he expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. That's extremely poetic in Hebrew because the um, word for justice and the word for bloodshed sound almost the same as mm. does the word for righteousness and the word for cry. Oh, interesting. Okay. So some some people who only read it in English have debated what a cry. What you know that's that seems really vague. But right, a cry it, for help, a cry for you know yeah. But it made for beautiful poetry. Gotcha. And that would be yeah, that would be incredibly poetic, considering like you could almost if that sounds if 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 that's the the, the case, the the words sound so similar that it uh, uh, just mishearing it uh, yeah. could could be. Uh, you, you could almost think that you've heard uh, the other word. Um, right. Interesting. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, then let's move way forward uh, uh-huh. to Philippians chapter 3, verse 4b to 14. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. And I know I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God, in Christ Jesus, um, so this is uh, this is Paul's resume. Yeah, uh, as, as how his, I see it, you know, his ego wall of certificates and diplomas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 uh, and it starts out pretty, pretty uh, um, fact based. You know, yeah, I, I was. This is when I was born. Uh, who I was born to. Who I grew up as. Uh, at what I, you know, my standing in society. 
Um, and then it kind of takes a, a, an interesting uh, turn there in verse six because uh, uh, it's rather than <clears throat> rather than uh, it, lauding his accomplishments, he goes to acknowledging his uh, his original shortcomings um, and talking about uh, how he was a persecutor of the ch of the church. Um, but I find it interesting that that statement as to zeal a persecutor of the church is followed by as to righteousness under the law blameless and i think i know for myself and i would imagine for for many readers if you were to read that uh, you'd have to kind of reread it several times and go what <laughs> What does that mean? Does that mean uh, he persecuted the church, but the law, as it was written at that point in time, he was right to do so? Uh, what, what's what's that statement? Somewhat. On? Well, it okay. The context of this is that he is he is in competition um, with other missionaries. Who are preaching in the name of Christ, mm -hmm. and they they have basically come into town after Paul had been there, and said, you know, Paul, no, he he is just so wishy washy. He is not faithful enough. He isn't Jewish enough. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to tell you the real scoop, and mm -hmm. started to teach a. Um, much more what we would now call perhaps fundamentalist type oh, okay. of Christianity where you got to follow these rules. You got to do this. You got to do that. Uh, very much a uh, works righteousness theology. Mm -hmm. You got, mm -hmm. you got to earn it as opposed to Paul's notes through grace and Paul's upset. And so he was writing this letter to counter um, the teachings of these new missionaries that have come to town. And so what he's doing is saying, look, I, yeah, I have done everything that they say you should do. And it wasn't enough. You're okay. Okay. So, so he's directly, uh, uh, refuting maybe some things that have been said about him. Actually, no, I've, I've done, I've done all that. Um, been there, done that, didn't been work. There, done that. Uh, it is interesting that the, then he then follows up uh, with whatever yet whatever gains I had either from his time as a, 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 a zealot uh, persecuting the church or uh, the gains that he had as being righteous uh, under the law. Um, he's come to regard them as loss because of Christ. He was focused on the wrong things, if right. is how I'm interpreting it. And that all the gains that he had are, are, are not really the ones, the, the things that have value in this life. Right. Um, and um, then that's kind of how, that's where he uses it as a pivot, right? I've done, I, I've, I've grown up this way. I've lived my life uh, according to one set of rules. And then Christ came in and my whole world turned upside down. Mm -hmm. And here's all the things that... Uh, that uh, um, here's everything that I had. Well, not everything, but here's a list of things that I had wrong. Um, and um, kind of then really does drive that wedge between the law and uh, the, the, the calls that Christ uh, has uh, for, for, for those of us. For, well, for all of us, I shouldn't say those of us. Um, and what, what else? Because th then he goes into kind of, a little bit of his Pauline style of uh, circular uh, talk and, and says it a couple of different ways. Um, is there anything though that, that like I'm like can easily be missed as you, as you yes. read those words? Um, and, and it doesn't, doesn't change anything that you said about uh, that pivot point. But in verse eight, where, uh, the word is rubbish. Uh -huh. Yeah, a very English word. Yes. So, um, again, keeping this rated G, it's um, the street word 
for manure. I Angry. feel like have Angry. we have we read uh, this verse from Philippines or Philip from well, Philippines? We may have time I mean, recently because I feel like we've talked about that before. Um, yeah, I do too, actually. But I'm, but it happens in scripture that there are what we would now call swear words and they get cleaned up. So it could have been somewhere else. Right. I got you. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, and that would make people go, "What?" <laughs> right, right, right. So it's not only garbage; it's the lowest form of garbage. Yeah, yeah, irredeemable garbage. Yes, um, that's gross to work with. Mm. Um, so that that's a that's a pretty. Why would you say it that way? Who works with it? <laughs> gross to work with. Like it's a terrible medium for pottery or. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there Sorry, were there were processes that had to be dealt with. Well, that's true. That's true. Okay, I got you now. It was and just so, the way you phrased yes. it was like <laughs> the poor artist <laughs> who has nothing more than rubbish to work marble. with. <laughs> Instead, has to deal with obsolete theology as uh -huh. his or her medium of there you expression. Go. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it's not just carrying out a trash can. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, part yeah, yeah. of the, the imagery we're supposed to have. That as Paul cleaned up his act, it was um, quite the experience. And so that would have definitely been a huge contrast and insult to his competing missionaries. Mm, I got so you. Basically, you know, he's basically saying that he's, they're full of it. Okay. Yeah. Full of it. Huh? Yeah. Um, so, uh, what's interesting, uh, continuing on through the verses here, uh, um, what, what the other thing that's interesting that stands out to me is he kind of, I'm not sure if this is like an admission uh, of an obsession or if it's just the way that it's translated. But then he goes, he, he starts talking about, uh, you know, resurrection from the dead and kind of, you know, it's like I said, the way it's translated here, at least, it seems to be kind of like an admission of like, I really, I, I super kind of want that. Like, uh, you know, yeah. you know how, you know how Christ died and then was, you know, showed a power that is inconceivable and. Uh, uh, was resurrected from the dead. I want that. <laughs> and like, <laughs> if, if somehow I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Um, uh, and, um, uh, you know, part of it sounds like, you know, I want, I want to know and, and better understand uh, his sufferings, but it seems as though like his, his, his real focus is so that I might it, uh, share that journey and understand what it was like. And so I'm not sure if this is like an admission of like, this is something so beyond our human concept right now. I really want to know how it works. Like I want to break it apart right. and understand the inner mechanics. Or does he want uh, the to experience the power and the notoriety of of, of oh. actually <laughs> of actually uh, uh, sharing uh, that mantle play piece uh, with Christ? I'm like, yep, yep, just me and Christ. <laughs> I don't think it's that. <laughs> I don't okay. think it's that one. Um, but what what may shed a little more light on this is remember Paul was living in an era when people thought that the what we now call the second coming of Christ was imminent, was going to happen mm. any day now. Mm -hmm. And so if Paul were to die a natural death, he would only expect to be in the tomb for a few years tops mm. and okay the same with all the people he's talking with that's their expectation is that the time of death of an individual will be very short compared to what's turned out to be um, because their uh, understanding of the resurrection was that it was physical and that mm. everyone every everyone who followed christ would be resurrected from the dead and be part of this new way of existence that Christ opened up. Hmm. We now understand this more, much more, as describing for the last, you know, 
just to use shorthand, heaven. Mm -hmm. Whereas right. for Paul, it would have been Paul and the Christians, and it would have been much more earthly. Okay, yeah. So, so you can, so we can kind of see where this concept then transformed into more of a a, a spiritual resurrection, and yeah, uh, um, all the all, all the things that we have kind of uh, um, imagined uh, needing to, to to exist in order to sustain that uh, that that kind of a concept. Um, yeah, and though to go back to our the, our discussion about intention, there are conservative Christians who still believe that everyone who's died ever is still dead and everyone is still waiting for what Paul's describing. Gotcha. A, okay. physical, a yeah. physical resurrection of physical resurrection. walking out of the graves. Hmm. But uh, that's a minority view within Christianity. Gotcha. I still, uh, since you mentioned second coming, I'm still, uh, 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 I still very much am fascinated by the, the, the idea of uh, it possibly already having happened. Yeah. His resurrection is the second coming. His his time uh, being born of Mary and, you know, uh, growing up is his first, mm -hmm. uh, is his self-contained first uh, coming. And then uh, after death, uh, uh, conquering death and, and resurrection and his time uh, on earth was his second coming. Right. Um that's is, a legitimate it, theological position within Christianity. An interesting concept, uh, because yeah, I, we're, I I have family members who have recently mentioned, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, still waiting for the second coming, and, mm -hmm. and oh, it's coming soon. I'm like, I'm I'm not sold on any of that. <laughs> We've been wrong for many several thousand years. Yeah. I'm well, fairly comfortable. Thousand, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly I'm fairly comfortable in believing that we we could still be we're still wrong about it. I, yeah. you know, that, no one knows uh, the time or hours Jesus right. said. Right. Yeah, I actually mentioned that and then the response that I got was uh uh that uh, the, the that doesn't mean we can't know the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that explains everything. <laughs> I was like, eh, maybe. I mean, maybe. But uh yeah, oh, it's, good uh, golly. So, all right. Well, moving on, let's yes. go to Matthew. Let's go to the gospel reading. Matthew 21, verse 33 through 46. Uh, and and just for pre-context, what we had talked about, uh, this ties, this is right after last week's uh, parable, um, of uh, which I'm going to totally forget because I'm, uh, I'm now putting myself on the spot. Um, uh, but, it's sort of uh, like the, the quiz, weekly quiz on car talk. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> what was it? I don't know. Don't drive like my brother. Um, right. Uh, but uh, the, so the parable last week was the one about uh, the the um, the people who owed the person who owed the debt to the master. Yeah. They got it forgiven, uh, and then they were brutal with their fellow slave uh, to to use the the, the gospel term uh, as far as what the other person owed them and um, uh, suffered punishment as a result. Um, I have that right, don't I? Yes? That was uh, last week? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Double check? No? No. Um, what I was, was it? trying to cut you the slack, but no. Um, it's the, it was the laborers in the vineyard. Laborers in the vineyard, like I said. You, you, <laughs> the week what, before was the uh, guy, the unforgiving, okay. forgiven okay. person. Okay. Yep. Uh, like I said, you everyone just misheard me. Uh, <laughs> laborers in the vineyard and uh, uh, everyone getting the same wage and then yeah. being unhappy about it. Uh, so we pick up right after that one uh, and uh, it reads, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a, vi a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Actually, then, I need to interrupt you. Sure. I was wrong. <laughs> we were both wrong. We were both wrong? You were three weeks ago. What I said was two weeks ago. Last <laughs> week was the baptism of John. By whose authority are you preaching? Wait, 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 wait. Wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. The source of Jesus' authority. Okay. All right. Well, um, never, see, Bruce, never admit wrong. Um <laughs> 
we were we were right from a certain point of view, and that point of view is the one that we choose. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're right if we are in a different time zone. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That's goes by weeks rather than we by just, hours. We just skip a few, you know. Yeah. Um, so this uh, this is following the parable that concluded that section about the um, two sons, one who was sent into the one who was told to go work and did not, and the one who was told to go work and said, I won't, but then did. Gotcha. So See, it's, that connects it's, closely with this. That's why I interrupt you, because it does connect closely with yes. the one we have for today. And this is and, and, and this is a prime example of uh, the problem with, uh, uh, well, one of the problems, inherent problems, with breaking apart uh, these yeah. these readings is we you, you lose kind of that context um, as opposed to when you read directly through. And nothing against reading the Bible online, but obviously the, the the website that I'm reading from has it very much broken, separated apart. It's not easy for me to go back and reference. I have to click through a couple of pages and to to, to find it, uh, and uh, and and something does get lost uh, as a result of that. Uh, right. The, the the story does not flow as well, and we're we're attempting to uh, can, as it were, a a concept uh, for for everybody uh, that we can share, and it, and that's not it's not not as not as great. Uh, right, it's still really good, but not as just that little bit missing. Um, so so yeah. Uh, so this, read the passage now. <laughs> <laughs> so now read the passage, uh, and and it does sound very familiar here. Uh, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. So, a direct reference to our first reading. Uh, then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. So there's the difference. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his, his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come to let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls to the, on this stone will be broken to pieces and will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. Um, so, uh, jokingly, or the funny, funny part, at least to me, there in verse 38, what kind of idiots would sit there and go, oh, the heir has come, uh, uh, let us, let us kill him and get his inheritance. Um, that's not how heirships work. <laughs> That's you, right. <laughs> you you don't then inherit the heir's inheritance. That's uh, that that that's that's insane. That's silly. Um, but I guess that's kind of the point. Yeah, that, yeah that's how dumb humans are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, what's interesting to part of what's interesting to me about that um, feature in this uh, parable is that years ago. I just out of you know it was a long winter or whatever. I would um, each week compare commentaries from the 20th century because it was in the 20th century I was doing this with the centuries before. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it wasn't very scientific. They were old, old the old commentaries were ones I got at used bookstores and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And these older commentaries would often say. In the time of Jesus, the, the workers of a field 
would inherit if there was would inherit the land if there was no heir uh, for the landowner. And the only reason they said it was because of that verse. They had no historical information that said that, but <laughs> nothing they, they couldn't imagine. They their concept of Jesus speaking is he would never speak something untrue, even if it was in the mind of someone who was being foolish. Hmm. So they had to redeem every single word that Jesus said, no matter what convolutions of logic they had to follow. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Which, of course, was totally misleading to anyone who uh, heard a sermon based on that for a hundred years or so. Well, and it would seem to me that... uh... Um, as we've gone through these, you know, different parables and speeches and, and, and conversations that Jesus has throughout the Gospels, often there's an almost an intentional uh, double take moment. Of, right. Like Jesus says something that intentionally makes people go, wait, that's not right. What? Yeah. You know, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, because it, it seemed to be his his style. Of, of, exactly. Uh, of, of steering the conversation one way and then doing a, a, a left or right turn uh, that, you know, uh, snaps a neck or two <laughs> with with whiplash. Like, wait mm-hmm. a minute, wait, what do you mean the last shall be first? That's insane. What are you talking about? <laughs> or, um, you know, in, 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 in this case, you know, why would, why would, why would you think that you kill, you know, the, the son dies and then, you know, suddenly yeah. the landowner is going to be like, okay, well, my son died here. Take the vineyard. Um, what, can, what can I do? What can I do? That's the law. <laughs> as it as it always has been. Um, uh, so. Uh, Never, ever. But, but, the, but, but you know, uh, a lot of Jesus' teachings, preachings, and, and conversations contain aspects like that so the idea that someone would then set out of like oh th- then this has to be like i have, i'm gonna have to make sense of some of these and, and make normal some of these things yeah. that he intentionally says that are just um uh off the wall crazy ideas uh, for the time uh, yeah and, and uh, in a fictional story that jesus has created right that, uh you know and to give an example that may be uh, a little more vivid it, and uh, this is strictly theoretical. I didn't research this one. If It's easy for me to imagine someone with that perspective on how to treat scripture would be able to say, okay, I look at the story of the prodigal son mm-hmm. and that prodigal son who squandered his inheritance and was being fed pig slop. Uh, that means that I can feed my servants pig slop because they then will come to their senses and turn to God. Mm-hmm. That you can, you, If you take that kind of semi-literal um, perspective on Scripture, there's all sorts of terrible roads you can end up walking down morally. Yeah, it, uh, it, we, and, and we've proven that as humanity yeah. over time, uh, that we, we have an innate ability to, to justify Anything that we want. Uh, yeah. If if you twist yourself enough, uh, you can justify just about anything. Yeah. Um, and uh, and 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 we do. Well, we we, we do uh, a a uh, an out an outcome and a desired outcome looking for a reason. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> a justification. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So, uh, but it is it it. it the story is is very interesting because you know obviously the, uh, the the Pharisees here come to the correct conclusion when they when when he asks them what do you think is going to happen and they're like oh well obviously this is going to happen and Jesus' response is like well duh <laughs> <laughs> and and what do you think is going on right now <laughs> what do you think you're doing right you know, right now, how do you not, how can you not see these signs? How can you not, how, how can you not understand what is, uh, what, what's going on at, right before your eyes and what side of, uh, you know, what side of history you're going to be on, what side of, 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 uh, how you're, you're putting yourself in conflict with, uh, with God and, and, uh, God's plan here in, 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 in this instance, uh, um, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna dash yourself on this cornerstone. You're gonna break into pieces, right? 
And um, one interesting thing that happens here also is, okay, this, this parable occurs almost word for word in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Oh, okay. And, but in Matthew, there's one difference that's noticeable, and that's in verse 46, the last verse we have today, where in Matthew it says, but when, um, but when they tried to arrest him, Jesus, they feared the multitudes because they held him to be a prophet. And by the way, this is happening during Holy Week. So it's okay. just days away from Jesus um, being arrested and put to death. The others um, do not have the line about the multitudes thinking Jesus was a prophet. Hmm. Instead, it says um, that was simply because the uh, he had said this uh, parable against them, and they feared the multitude. Gotcha. Um, and in, in Luke, this... It, and, and so in Matthew, he is... Okay, this is a little subtle, so stick with me. He is actually tweaking every listener of this... Parable, because what the crowd perceived was one of the inaccurate descriptions of who Jesus was. When the parable had just said he was the son. Mm -hmm. So even though the Pharisees, even though it was totally against the Pharisees, the crowd also is convicting themselves and foretelling them calling for Jesus' death on Good Friday because they see him the crowd only sees him as a prophet. They hold him in the esteem of a prophet, but prophets regularly get killed. They don't right. hold him in the esteem as being the son. And in Luke, the rather than Pharisees, it's the scribes and the chief priests that this story, this, this condemnation is directed towards by Jesus, hmm. uh, which probably is more accurate that... Uh, and as we talked about last week, the scribes and the chief priests were the Roman stooges. That, right. Um, whereas the Pharisees were faithful Jews. And hmm. uh, so, you know, it, it's just some interesting ways in which this story gets uh, depicted in the three different um, Gospels. It still has the same meaning for us today. But it has different connotations about how the rest of the story is going to unfold for the um, rest right. of Holy Week. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, uh, um, it is. It is a. It's it's an interesting portion of the story, uh, just because uh, they 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 realize he's talking about them, or they they realize that Jesus is talking about them, and then they they basically go and do the exact thing that's. Per, you know, contained here in the parable. Yeah. They go and kill the <laughs> the landowner's son. I need to correct my... I need to add one thing. In, okay, I scanned a little more, and in Mark, he's also talking to the um, fakes, the scribes and the chief priests in the okay. temple. Gotcha. So Matthew is the one who made the shift to the prophets. I mean, to the, or, Pharisees, to the, to the Pharisees. Yeah, to the Pharisees. Okay. Um, well, he, he, he leans pretty hard on the... On yeah, the Pharisees throughout throughout his the, the his gospel writing of, of yeah he seems, how much they're messing up. He seems to see them as the chief um, uh, competition, mm. so to speak. Whereas in Matthew and uh, I'm sorry, in Mark and Luke, they're probably more historically accurate in saying, yeah, their power was in the temple, and by the time. These three gospels were written down. The temple was gone; it was destroyed gotcha. by the Romans, and the those individuals long gone too, either executed or fled. Hmm. Hmm. So it's you know interesting dynamics between the three gospels. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that that, uh, and and again, I find those those differences fascinating uh, because it does get it does color the context of like some sometimes the. Sometimes books and writings are written with a particular point of view that yeah. the author wants to convey, uh, and uh, Matthew's condemnation of the, the the Pharisees is 
one of one of those things that, that he 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 definitely does uh, uh, lean on and emphasize from time to time uh, through uh, through his writings of hey yeah I I I see them as a real problem <laughs> and and, and I'm gonna draw some additional attention to them. The other thing Matthew does is leaves us room if we're willing to to take that um, spiritual risk of. He allows us to step into the shoes of the Pharisees. Right. I mean, that, right. that's the purpose of them in Matthew is to, once a Christianity generations later became established, now we are the Pharisees. And we mm. have to constantly be corrected by Jesus. You're right. Uh, which, which is an interesting, uh, an interesting approach because obviously the, 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 one of the inclinations would be like, oh, well, we're so much better than that. Yeah, yeah. And that tends um, that tends to be how we first treat it, right? Which is uh, which is what we as modern uh, uh, Christians uh, do all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> well, right. And look at all this historical these these historical uh, uh, stories are you know just littered with a bunch of idiots. Thank God we're so much better than that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> or not? <laughs> we're so much better than these stupid Pharisees and chief priests. Uh, <laughs> And, and and even better than the people themselves. Like right. we, would, we would never <laughs> we would never call for the crucifixion of, of Christ today. We know so much we're so much better uh, than than that. Um, uh, which is uh, amusing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so so um, but yeah, uh, and, and I, I I think we'll probably then call it there, yeah. right, Matthew. Um uh, and uh, look forward to next week. As far as this week, uh, this upcoming week, mm. uh, uh, we've got a lot going on that I'm going to plug really quick. Uh, we are going to have our first uh, in, I'm going to say this in quotation, air quotes uh, that you can't see, in-person uh, uh, gathering for Sunday uh, for October 4th. It's also going to contain the the blessings of animals. Uh, I say uh, air quotes around in-person because we still have to be socially distant and, and uh, it's going to be parking lot church, uh, not, uh, not, not in the, the building. building. Uh, so got to wear masks, got to wear masks. Uh, and, and, and uh, um, it will be very interesting because we're not entirely sure what it's going to look like. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of this is going to be trial by fire. So ahead of time for, for anyone listening, uh, uh, please bear with us as we, attempt to do things that we've never done before uh, and, and try to provide an in-person gathering, worship gathering uh, that, uh, that uh, is, is uh, um, a challenge. Uh, we've, we've not, we've not, uh, uh, we've not stretched and attempted uh, things like this yet. And, and so we're going to look the, look at this as a, uh, as an opportunity uh, to, to learn and to grow a little bit. But uh, yeah, for those of nowhere in the letter of, Letters of Paul that say how to use an AM transmitter effectively. <laughs> Absolutely. So but, it'll be. But you can look at the website and see all the details that we've worked out so far. Right. Right. Uh, so so this is this is going to be uh, something that we're going to attempt to do. Fingers crossed, the weather uh, 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 permits us uh, to do it. Uh, so it'll be it'll be challenging. I'm sure we'll learn something from this first attempt. Uh, and do uh, a few things slightly differently the next week. That should be, just come to be expe- expected. But uh, if you are not uh, in a position to join us in person, I totally, we totally get it. We totally understand. Right. Uh, our our online church service will continue to be produced and made available. Um, uh, so uh, the same uh, um, quality that we've been providing online for these past several months. Uh, we'll we'll continue while we're doing outdoor in-person gatherings. I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, unless calls uh, come to 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 end the practice, but uh, kind of right now our thought process is until we're able to gather together in the sanctuary, uh, the the uh, online produced services still have a, a fair amount of value, and we want to oh, yeah. uh, um, still provide that for for any who are. Who are sick, traveling, uh, uh, uneasy about coming uh, in person? Uh, we still want to make that available, so look for uh, that to still be available. And that's just so. Those are comments just on Sunday worship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that's not to say that there's not a ton of other things going on between Adult Forum, uh, Children's Ministry, Youth Group. Uh, uh, please visit our website at hfec.org uh, and uh, see what all we have going on. There's a lot of a lot of uh, uh, fun things that are that are happening. Some some new innovations that we've put in place to uh, to try to uh, to allow for. Uh, 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 gatherings whether online or in person uh throughout the week and uh, uh there's there's just so much going on uh, that i can't contain them all in in one little announcement at the end of the uh right. of the podcast so please uh please take a look at that uh on our website join us at uh hfec videos on our youtube channel uh and can, please continue listening to this podcast yeah uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you so if you have anything to send us uh praise criticism uh, questions at shortcut at hfec.org. We'd love to receive your uh, your comments. So uh, hopefully we'll see you, uh, maybe a, a few of you this Sunday. Uh, but until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.